How do you deal or handle times when you feel that you are under chastening or being disciplined by God? What should we do? How should we respond when we feel that God is chastening or God has given us a good whipping? Okay, so let me just get to that point. Now, first thing we need to understand is that God deals with us as with children. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, and I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 12. He says, starting in verse number five, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. So the writer, and he basically got that from Proverbs. But the point is, as children of God, God disciplines us. And, and, he, and there is a difference between discipline and judgment. Judgment is reserved for those who do not know God who don't have a relationship with God, those who are outside of the covenant of God. In other words, unbelievers. But discipline is for those who are believers, for those of us who are the children, sons and daughters of the living God. And so therefore, God disciplines us. And the fundamental difference is Judgment is simply the punishing hand of God. Judgment is the punishing hand of God. Discipline is the corrective hand of God. And there's a fundamental difference between judgment and discipline. God concerning us, his children, does not judge us. He disciplines us. He corrects us. But now here is the thing. Judgment and discipline can sometimes feel the same. You got it? And I'm talking about temporal, temporal judgment. Temporal. When I, okay. Temporal simply means in this life. Eternally, the saints of God, those who do believe, will never be judged in that manner. Okay? But I'm speaking of in this life. And that's what I mean by temporally. So temporally, in this life, when God disciplines us, it could feel almost the same way, the same way. And God even can use the same tools that he will use on the ungodly. But the whole reason, the, the difference is God's intended purpose. God's intended purpose, God's intentional purpose in bringing about causing us the discomfort in life, whatever that may be, whatever form of punishment that may take is for the salvation of our souls, for the correction of our behavior, that we may be better sons and daughters conforming, conforming to the holiness that God has prescribed for us. You got it? So that's God's intended purpose in bringing discipline for us. 
to change us, not simply to hurt us. But anyway, enough of that. So I want to talk about, since it is God who brings this upon us from time to time, and why does God do it? Oftentimes, it's because we have sinned. That, that's the number one thing. Why does God do when we feel, and, 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 and maybe there's some of you watching this, and you know you have sinned, you, you know that, and even you may have repented. You may have repented. I don't know. And if you have not repented, repent. Repent. Always repent quickly because the Bible says this. If you, he who covers his sins shall not prosper, but the one who confesses and turns away from his sins shall have the mercy of God. So the first thing we always need to do is repent of those sins. Don't play games. Don't try to cover it. Don't try to make yourself look good. And we, and we do. There is a tendency to try to make, our, to try to make excuses for ourselves, to make excuses for our sins so that we don't look as bad. No, just simply lay your, and, and, and that's a beautiful thing about the Old Testament, I love it. Sometimes when men wanted the mercies of God or the mercies of the king, they would run to the altar and grab hold of the, uh, the horns of the altar in order to protect their own life. In other words, saying the king wouldn't kill me at this particular, at a sacred place as the altar, or the Lord himself would have mercy upon me. That's what I'm saying. Throw yourself down at the altar of the feet of Jesus, and the Lord will have mercy on you. And, and you know what? That story is all over the Bible. And, in the most dramatic of fashion. And let me, I tell you what, since I'm here, let me digress. Let me digress. Do you remember when God called the prophet Jonah to go down into the Assyrian territories of the Ninevites to preach the gospel? Well, not so much as to preach the gospel, but to declare the preaching that God told him to preach that in 40 days Nineveh would be destroyed and Jonah wanted to run away. If you can recall in that very four chapter book, at the end of it, when God spared the lives of these people, which, who were the enemies of the Jews, which is one of the reasons why Jonah didn't want to go down there. But the whole point of this is, why did, when, what did Jonah say? When Jonah sat up under that plant waiting to see what will become of these people and God didn't destroy them, he said, I knew you were going to do that. That's why I didn't want to go and preach in the first place because I knew. I knew that you were a God of mercy. You were a God who, if they would turn away, he would relent. So here's the point that I'm trying to say to you guys. When we sin and you know you have done wrong, don't have an attitude. Don't have an arrogant disposition. But remember what Jonah said. God is a God of mercy. God does not delight 
in punishment, in judgment. He does it because it is his wisdom. He knows what is necessary for his children. We need to. So my point that I'm stressing here is this. Even the wisdom of Old Testament, point time after time after time after time. If with humility, and notice what I just said. With humility, if we should repent, then God would have mercy and forgive. But now let me, let me get to the root of what I'm talking about. We're going to be teaching from 2 Samuel chapter 16 today. And since I've been babbling for this long a time, I guess I'll kind of make it short. And, and I think you guys are already getting the point. The question is, how do you deal with God, the discipline of God? When God is, you, when you think God is giving you a good butt whipping, what should you do? What should you do? And how should you respond? You got it? When you feel that, you say, you say well, maybe God is getting me. He, he's chastising me for, for this. And I did that and I did that or whatever. And I think that I'm getting it, you know, whatever. So when you look at your life and you say, you, maybe, maybe in your family you see this taking place. Or maybe you see a certain sickness beginning to take place in your body or whatever, or maybe on your job or may, or whatever the occasion is. That's what I'm trying to say. And you are looking at the things that are taking place in your life and in your spiritual mind. You are saying to yourself, maybe you say, I think God is punishing me because of what I did. All right. So now you're saying, so here's the thing that I want to answer for you. I want to guide you in this. How should you respond when you see those dilemmas, those problems or whatever it may be when that is happening in your life and you think it's God giving you a whooping, what should you do? How should you respond? In other words, number one, you want to respond righteously because first of all, you're already in trouble with God. You don't want to make him angrier. That doesn't make sense. So why get your whipping moved up another step? So that's ridiculous. Okay. And number two, as we've been talking about earlier, you want to get God to be merciful to you. You want God to have pity on you and, 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 and bless you again. Bless you again. All right. So before then, and I'm going to take you back to a man that we all know with the situation that we all know. We've heard it a thousand times, but I don't care how many times you've heard it. There are still wonderful gems and jewels of lessons that we can learn from it. And it is the sin of David with Bathsheba. And everybody knows, just in case you don't know, but everybody knows it was a time when kings normally go off to war. David did not go off to war. But instead, for whatever the reason was, he was at his home. He saw a woman taking a purifying bath, seemingly, from her menstrual cycle had ended and she was taking a, a cleansing bath. All right. And there he saw the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. And he, everybody knows David took this man's wife. He committed adultery with the man's wife. She got pregnant. 
David engineered the death of this woman's husband, Uriah, in order to cover his sins, God pointed out to David that his sins were clearly known and that David would suffer greatly because of it. All right. And so all that David had done in sinning against God and covering it up, God would reverse David's fortune and make David sin. David would reap his own sins and what David had done in the darkness, God would bring about it into light. And David's own sons began to destroy one another and seek to destroy David. So as a result of David's sins, one of his sons, namely Absalom, to make the story short, had tried to rise to power, remove David by force from the throne, and began a coup against David. David and his men had to flee for their lives. So David is running for his life from his own son, Absalom. Okay, so that's the situation. Now, here's the whole thing, and all of that is in the background. All of that is in the background of David's sin with Bathsheba and David having to suffer the consequences of those sins. And it is God, it is God who is disciplining David, who is bringing this punishment to David because of his sin. Now that's number one, okay? But now let me also give you another piece of background too as we, so I'm gonna be in 2 Samuel chapter 16. I don't know if I got told you guys. 16, and basically we're gonna look at verses five through maybe 13, because I wanna make it succinct. So I want you guys to really get it. All right. There is a, a little more background that you need to get to understand it. But I tell you what I'm going to do. Let me start reading the verse and then I'll supply the background that's necessary for you to understand what's going on. So 2 Samuel 16, verse number five. So now David is running for his life from his son Absalom, who is trying to be replace David as the king of Israel. Why? Why? David's punishment for his sin, right? So David is fleeing. Five, when David came to Baharim, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul, now that's key, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah. He came out cursing continually as he came. So now let's get some background. I don't wanna run too much time with this, but you need to understand it. When David became king, remember David replaced Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul displeased the Lord and the Lord decided to replace Saul with King David. Now, kings at this time, whenever a king would reign, okay, he would always have his dynasty. A dynasty simply means the reign of a particular king and his family, namely his sons. So the expectation would be when the king would die or something would happen to the king, but when the king would die, his son or a closely related family member would take the place and sit on the throne. 
that will continue the dynasty of that family. Okay? But Saul, Saul, son of, I think Saul was son of Kish, Saul who himself was of a bit of the Benjamite tribe, but we ain't gonna get into all of that. But Saul, when God replaced Saul, he replaced his entire dynasty. That meant no family member of Saul would be allowed to sit on the throne. And the dynasty of Saul was completely discontinued with the death of Saul and was replaced by David and and that's when we have that eternal covenant that God said, I will never remove my mercies from King David. Okay. And the family of David replaced or the dynasty of David replaced the dynasty of King Saul. And therefore the continuation of the Davidic line all the way to Messiah, Jesus, Jesus, not the son of Saul. He is the son of David. So God completely replaced. He removed Saul, Saul's dynasty, and replaced it with the dynasty of David. All right. And here's the point. So there was embitterness. There were bitterness from the family, the kinsmen of Saul. They were mad and embittered because David replaced their entire family dynasty. And remember, it wasn't David who did it. It was God. David was a man after God's own heart. That is a man after God's own choosing. Okay. But the, here's the point. So now hear this man by the name of Shemai, verse number five, he comes out, he's mad. He's embittered. Why? Because David has replaced his whole family dynasty. And now he sees this as an opportunity to come out and curse David. Notice he came out cursing at David, saying all manners of evil things against David, because now he sees David as being vulnerable. He, David is no longer the king and cause Absalom is sitting on his throne. And he said, now's my time to say the things that I never could say to David and get away with. Okay. So let's continue on verse number six. He threw stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and the mighty men were at his right hand and at his left seven. Thus Shemai said when he cursed, get out, get out. You man of bloodshed and a worthless fellow. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil for you are a man of bloodshed. Now, so when Shammai came to David, seeing that this was his opportunity because he's embittered because he, his family has lost prestige and now David's family has all the prestige and he sees this as his moment now to say the things that he has wanted to say to David for a long time. Why? So you got to remember now, back in the ancient of day, you could not say what you wanted to say to the king. You'd lose your head. If he had said these things earlier, when David was in the fullness of his power, well, first of all, he wouldn't have been a fool to do so. 
But now he sees this as his opportunity to get David because David is now running for his life. David, in his mind, does not have the power that he once had. And so now is a convenient time to curse David and to say all these evil and ugly things. And what he is saying to David is he's simply saying that what is happening to you is because of what you did to Saul and because you are bloodthirsty. David didn't hurt Saul or do anything to Saul. They never did that at all. But it doesn't matter. But there is some truth to what he's saying when he called David a murderer because David indeed was a murderer. But he was a murderer of the, of the husband of Bathsheba. You got it? I don't think that's what he's referring to. But nevertheless, what he is trying to say to David is you are suffering the things that you are suffering because of what you did to the household of Saul. And you are an illegitimate ruler who shouldn't be there in the first place. And I'm glad you gone and curse you, David, curse you, David. And he threw stones at David. Now, what you got to realize is David is also being accompanied with a group of his mighty valiant warriors, which is kind of crazy, but nevertheless, he did so. So let's continue reading. We still want to answer the question how to respond. Let's go get going. Verse number nine. Then Abishai, son of Zeruah, said to the king, one of David's servants, one of his soldiers, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. So notice how David's soldiers responded, rightly so. And he wanted, so even Shema, you see the risk involved with what Shema did? That boy, you could have lost your head. One of the soldiers wanted to go and take his head off. Ain't no going to court, there's no calling the police. But anyway, so verse number 10. Watch David's response. So here's the thing. Let me, let, me, let me frame it for you. Shema comes out, curses David, says all manner of evil things about David, throwing stones at the king. You got it? Throwing stones at him. And all of a sudden, one of David's soldiers says he has no right to disrespect the king that way. Now, on the surface, as honor goes, he right. On the surface, as thing would, things would normally be, the soldier of David is dead. He's correct. He's correct. And in that day and time, you insult the king, it's, it's just like sticking your hand in the mouth of a lion. What you think is going to happen, you're going to get your head cut off. So normally, that is exactly what would, and if you'll allow me to say it like this, guys, according to that day and time, would and should happen. That was the order of the day. But now watch this. In verse number uh, 10, David's response. And in David's response, now we finally, uh, we get into our answer. Because remember, let's go back a little bit. All of this. All of these things are a result and consequence of God's discipline, God's punishment to David 
for his sins, his sin of adultery, the lies that he told, the life that he took. All of these things are. And the many things that fell upon David, it is a result directly from the hand of God himself. And David, as we are going to see in these remaining verses, he realizes these things and David is going to begin to think and surmise something. Verse number 10. But the king said, what have I to do with you? That's a form of rebuke. Okay, what have I to do? It's a form of rebuke. Oh, sons of Zeruah, as he says to Abishai, if he, that is Shemaiah, if Shemaiah curses, listen, now watch this point, guys. And if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who shall say, why have you done so? Notice what David is saying. David is saying, listen, it seems to me that God has put it in his heart for this man to say these words to me. It seems to me that whatever this man is saying to me at this time as he's cursing David and throwing stones at me and saying all these things is because God has put it in his heart. What am I trying to say? So you think to yourself. So maybe you're saying to yourself, listen, well, maybe this is happening to me because I did this and it's a part of my punishment. Maybe this is happening. And, and, I, and I hate to say it, guys, even as it did with David. Even as it did with David. Remember, let me, okay, here's a hard one, guys. Here's a hard one, guys. Here's a hard one. Okay, hold on to something if you can't handle it. And so the Lord came to David and said, listen, and the child that is born unto you shall die. That was punishment to David. That was not punishment for the child. That was punishment for David. Now I understand that we're operating under the covenant of grace, but principally the Lord, holy God does not change. And maybe see, what I'm trying to address. So you think to yourself, is this because of this? If or on your job, is this did I lose my job? Did this happen? Is this financial calamity coming because of this? Or is this sickness in my body? Is this, are these things happening in my life because God is punishing me for my sin? Notice what David says. If the Lord has put it in Shemaiah's heart to curse David, who can tell him not to do it? What can we do about it? There is absolutely nothing that we can do about it. Now, so here is the question. What can you do then? If you find yourself, if you believe for some reason you are under the chastening hand of God for some sin, and I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we can do stuff and God whoop our butts real good. What can you do? Let's finish the verse. Verse 11. All right. Verse number 12. Verse, verse 11, verse 11. Then David said to Abishai and all his servants, so he's still talking to Abishai. Now he not only directs his words to Abishai, that's the one who wanted to cut the guy's head off. But now he tells the rest of his men, all of his men who are with him. Behold, my son who came out from, out from me seeks my life. How much more now this Benjamite? In other words, 
He said, listen, my own son Absalom, he wants to kill me. If my own son wants to kill me, notice as it is, notice in the background, as God here, background of all of these things, punishment of David. If my own son wants to kill me, what do you expect from this Benjamite? From this, remember, whole Benjamite, descendant of Saul, family of Saul, whose dynasty has been replaced by the family of David. So if my own son wants to kill me, you know he will, right? So he said, it's ridiculous for you guys to think anything to the contrary. But now let's continue so we make our point. What does David say concerning Shemai? Remember, David had the, all he had to do when Abishai said, let me go and cut his head off. Here's what I want you to do. Let, let's go now. Now let me bring it down a notch. Let's get real. David could have left running for his life or whatever. whatever. He could have had an attitude. He could have been angry. Now, you, you guys need to think about what I'm trying to say. He could have been angry with what had happened to him. He's no longer sitting on his throne. He is still king, but he ain't king he used to be. It's a mess. It's a mess. He could have had an attitude. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He, 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 whatever the reason is, he, he, he could have been still proud proudful and all of these things walking around with his rump on his shoulder instead of being having his head bowed in humility in humility receiving whatever had taken but I'm going too fast he could have been nasty about the whole thing that's what I'm trying to say you got it and he could have said when Abishal said he shouldn't be able to talk to the king that way. David could have said, you doggone right. I don't know who he think he's talking to, and I ain't going to put up with that. I don't care what's going on. I, I, I don't need that. I'm not going to take that from him, and I'm not going to listen to that, and I don't have to do something. And I don't. David could have responded that way and said, you doggone right. Go take his head off. But here is the question. Did he? David did not respond that way. David said, leave him alone. He responded with humility. Watch, let me finish it. He said, I'm finishing verse number 11. Let him alone and let him curse for the Lord has told him. He said, you know what the bottom line is? The things he's saying to me, God done put it in his heart. In other words, David is receiving his punishment. David is accepting whatever happens, Lord. You're right. I had it come. And, 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 and let me just break it down for you guys. Whatever is happening to me, I deserve that. If this is happening, I deserve that because I was wrong. If that is happening, I deserve that. If it happens on my job, if it happens in my family, if it happens with my children, if it, if it happens in my body, if it happens in my finances, whatever it is, I deserve that. I'm not angry with you, Lord. I'm not mad at you, God. 
Why? Because I, I, I see it. And that's what I'm trying to. I'm answering the question, guys, how to respond to God's hand of discipline. When God is whipping your butt, what should you do? You do what David did. Don't have an attitude. Don't get mad. Don't stick your head up. Don't fight back. That's what I'm saying to you. Don't fight back. But bow your head in humility. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Just say, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. I deserve this. Now, let me finish this thing. Verse number 12. Now, watch what David says. Perhaps, perhaps, you see, that's where you're, that's the beauty of it. And I hope maybe you guys are listening. Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of cursing this day. And I'm going to say that again. Perhaps the Lord, if I don't fight back, if I don't respond with resentment, if I don't respond cursing for cursing, because Shema curse David. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to curse him back. If I don't try to, I'm not going to take this. But David said, if I do bow my head with humility and accept whatever judgment God has decided to give, whatever punishment God has decided to bring on me, if I decide to just accept it with humility, Perhaps the Lord will look at my humility. He will look at my contrite spirit. He'll look at my repentant heart. He'll look at me simply accepting whatever discipline he's brought on to own me. He'll, he'll look on my affliction and notice. And instead of continuing the affliction, he'll return good to me instead of cursing today. So how did David respond? Notice David knew he had it coming. And maybe you right now, right now, listening to this video, feel that there is something that maybe the Lord is disciplining you for. And you feel God's heavy hand of discipline, judgment, punishment, on your life and you are his child number one repent number one repent 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 do not cover your sins why you will not prosper number two show humility if god sends someone and let me tell you something out there in the world, those Shemais are going to really curse you out there in the world. But inside God's house, if God sends a word that seems like it's cursing you, it ain't cursing you. He is actually blessing you for the words of God to his people from his people is for your restoration. 
It is for your good. Again, what this Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, all things come to us. All things happen to us for the good for those who love the Lord. That's why it happens to us. So my final answer is how to respond when you think God is disciplining you with great humility and simply say unto the Lord, I deserve everything that's happening to me. Dear Lord, all I ask, have mercy. But you know what, Lord? You're right and I'm wrong.